So today we're going to take a look at this account of Peter walking on water. But what matters most? Is it who Peter is or what he did? Or is it who God is and what he did? So let's listen to several assurances that this text gives to you and I as we sail through our storms of life. You guys ever dial that number? 911. What's your storm emergency? That's what we have here today. So let's take a look. As we jump in, we've got through the first 21 verses last week. We're going to pick it up here in verse 22. And we see Peter walking on a word here. And I want you guys to catch it as we go through. So let's take a look. Verse 22 says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, and the wind was contrary. Now, on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the waves were boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I love verse 22. Immediately. Okay? Why immediately here? Okay? Because they wanted to make him king. Jesus just fed the 5,000. Miraculous. Unbelievable. Only God could pull off something like that. They wanted to make him king. Right there, the multitudes. You're it. <laughs> He's like, hey, send them away. <laughs> I'm going to go away by myself here. I need to get away now. Um, and we know they wanted to make him king because John's account, chapter 6, verse 15, told us that. So Jesus made... Uh, them get into a boat, his disciples, and the storm came because they were in the will of God. Let me say that again. The storm came because they were in the will of God. God told them to go, and the storm was there. Now, you guys ever see storm chasers? Love these nuts, right? Anyways, storm chasers, what do they do? What do, they do? They, they're in the pursuit of any severe storm weather conditions, and it always seems a little foolish, like, really? The tornado's right there, and you're getting closer to it. <laughs> what are you doing? But, guys, it's not foolish when Jesus tells us to chase one. 
We are always safer in the storm in his will than we are with the crowds outside of his will. So, did Jesus know the storm was coming? Yes. Did he deliberately direct them into the storm? Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Do you guys believe that Jesus loves you? Okay. Would a loving Jesus direct you into a storm? Yes. It, 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 what it isn't, it isn't like telling a child across the street when a car is coming. It's not like that at all, okay? It's like creating waves, let's say, with your left hand. I'll do it this way so it's backwards, so it's right for you guys. But it's like creating those waves in the bathtub while you're holding a toy secure on top of the water. That's what's going on. God is in control, guys. And there's really two types of storms that we have in life. Some storms are storms of correction. Have you guys ever gone through those type of storms, trials in life where God has corrected you? It's kind of like when God comes along and he, he needs to spank us because we need discipline. I love you, child. This isn't good. You're going to get a spanking because you need to learn that this isn't best for you. It's kind of like Jonah. You guys remember Jonah? Disobedient bugger, wasn't he? Trying to run from the Lord. God asked him to do something. And God disciplined him. But then there's the type of storm that comes that is what we're looking at this morning. There are storms of perfection when God helps us to grow. Have you guys ever tried? You need enough yourself. I want to grow. I want to be more spiritual. I want to have more faith. I want to walk more uprightly. I'm trying so hard. It's not happening. What's going on? And then something happens in life where you're in a place where you have no choice but to grow in trust. And now you have more faith. You're closer to the Lord than you've ever been before. And it's normally in a hard thing, isn't it? So count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Really, God? That's what the Word says. And it's hard sometimes. But we have to count it joy. We've got to trust Him. So in the first storm, Jesus wrote it uh, he, he wrote it with them. You guys remember back in chapter 8, he was in the boat with them. Why are you sleeping, Jesus? We're all going to die. He knew he was getting to the other side. He woke up. Peace be still. And then <clears throat> this one here, he tests them uh, being out of the boat. So do you think that obedience to God always brings smooth sailing? I'm just obedient. Everything's going to be great in life. If you want that type of preaching, you can just go down the road here. There's a church that loves to preach junk. Um, <laughs> but if you study the Bible, that's not the case, okay? Life isn't going to be smooth sailing. We are promised tribulations in this world. We are going to go through it. If you live godly, you shall suffer persecution. There are just promises after promises in the Bible that won't find it in your precious little promise books that you buy at the Christian bookstore. Okay, <laughs> read the Bible. There's a lot of promises there. But storms are a good thing. Sometimes obedience places you right in a storm. And every storm is not from the devil, guys. You need to realize that. Yeah, we live in a fallen world. Yeah, there, there are effects of sin. But there are times God's going to allow us to go through something because he loves us. That's just a reality. 
So, an example of this, you guys remember in Acts chapter 4, we had Peter and John. What were they doing? They were being obedient to what God had asked them to do. Fulfilling the great commission. Going out and teaching and preaching. And what ended up for those guys? Jail! What? Just doing what you're asking me to do, Jesus. Telling people about eternal life. About the cross, the good news. And now we're thrown in jail, right? That's the result. So if you look at verses 23 to 25 here, these are some cool prayers. These are storm prayers. You guys ever pray a little different when you're going through it? Oh yeah, right? So be assured, if he has brought you into the middle of a storm, he cares for you and he prays for you, right? Look at verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. So we know that he is always there making intercession for us, right? Hebrews chapter 7, jot it down, verse 25. He ever lives to make intercession for us. That's what Jesus is doing right now, okay? So now um, we are on the sea of humanity as he sits upon the shores of heaven interceding for us. That's what he's doing right now for us. Think about that. What if I told you guys Jesus was right next door in this little room praying for us right now? What would you guys think? That's, pretty, that's why we got a cross on that door. How many of you guys have seen that? You guys actually notice the stain's different? For you guys who've totally missed it forever? Yeah, there's a cross in our door. Anyways. Hey, what, what if Jesus was there praying for us? Okay? Wouldn't you not give a new, wouldn't you be encouraged or find some new courage to endure through that trial, that storm of life if you knew that he was there praying for you? right there see he saw the disciples and he knew their plight jot down mark chapter 6 verse 48 that's the correlating passage and in there some things come out for us which we'll look at at the end of study but we need to be assured he certainly sees you and your storm and he knows your plight god knows those things he knows what's going on jedediah would you mind grabbing my water bottle i think it's back by the computer there I don't know if you guys could tell or not, but I'm on steroids. That's why I'm getting so buff. <laughs> I am on steroids, but it's not to get buff. It's making my mouth super dry. That ever happened to any of you guys? Yeah. And let me tell you what. There's sometimes as a preacher, you know what you're about to preach, and then God allows you to go through stuff in order for you to get it, that you're able to preach it. So don't become a preacher. <laughs> Now, look at verse 24 for me, okay? Uh, in verse 24, the lake is here. It's about six miles wide. We're going to get to see it when we go to Israel. Um, it's the fourth watch of the night. That means it's about three o'clock, four or five, sometime in that time frame, middle of the night. In nine hours, they had only rowed how far? Three miles. They made it halfway. Three miles. And after this long, they were about to perish, it was a serious situation. Matthew tells us in his gospel here that they were in the middle of the sea and they were being tossed by the waves. Mark's gospel adds for you and I that they were straining. And if you actually look into the Greek, it means that they were being tortured, tormented, distressed at the rowing and the wind was against them. So in other words, life is hard. Life is hard. That's what the Bible says. 
it's going to be hard. And you guys have a hard life? Good, that's common. Don't think it's an uncommon thing, right? We all go through things. Now, if you look at verse 25, it says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. How many of you guys wish you could have seen that? That would be pretty cool. Really? He's walking on the sea. Not just across a little creek, a little river. I mean, we're out in this big six-mile-wide <laughs> sea, and here comes Jesus walking upon it. So man's extremity is God's opportunity. So he comes in the teeth of the wind and on the face of the waves. So Jesus walked approximately three miles on this lake. We see this storm cheer in verses 26 and 27. It said he would have walked by, we're told in Mark's account, 6.48. So what made Jesus stop then? Why did he actually stop in the middle of walking across the sea in a storm? Well, it's when they cried out, right? They cried out. That got God's attention. Yes, when they actually cried out of what? Fear. <laughs> it was for fear. It was not they cried out, Jesus, you've come to save us. No, they were freaking out. That's what they were crying about. They cried out, ah, it's a ghost. Um, so it's not when you cry out in faith. It's when they cried out in fear. So Je Jesus simply heard their voice. Does that encourage you? It encourages me. I love Jesus. This is awesome. It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Now, um, sometimes God shows up in a scary way and not a comfortable way. You guys ever think of what Moses must have thought when went up the mountain? A burning bush is speaking to me. A burning bush. Really? Yeah. And he says, I am. I am. I'm the great I am. Moses, I'm a burning bush. That's what you need to know. And that's sometimes what we need to do is go through something scary. <laughs> and God will use that to show himself in a new way, in a powerful way. So we need to recognize that the presence of God in our pain, in our hurts, in our sorrows, in our uncertainties, we need to recognize his voice in those things. And you can't see when you can't see his face. In verse 27, he tells them to be of good cheer. So this confidence. So how can we? Look at the text. It's open book. How can we be of good cheer? Well, what does it say? The next statement is, it is I. Isn't that cool? Be of good cheer. It is I. In the midst of the storm. What more do we need, brother and sister? We don't. Look at the storm growth that these guys have. Verses 28 to 31. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. You guys ever, like, as we look at Peter's life, just consider him um, as a contradiction? Like, but we're no different. Like, consider Peter with me for a second here. Simon is now named Peter, Petros, Rock, never in doubt yet often wrong, right? He had great fear, but he also had great faith. He could run 
as a coward, but then other times he could be strong. You can deny me three times, and then we see Peter a minute later preaching to 3,000 people boldly sharing the gospel, and they're all getting saved. Guys ever feel like Peter? I do. Peter forgot the one thing at this point. It was the meaning of his name, rock, Petra, stone. But remember, anyone can sit in a boat and watch. It takes faith to leave the boat. So verse 29, when it says, and he said to him, come, and Peter came down out of the boat, and he walked on the water to Jesus. Has there ever been another man or woman who ever, has ever walked on water? I don't know. I know Jesus did, but he doesn't count because he's God. We got Peter. He did something no one, no one else ever has done. That's pretty cool. So time for a great lesson to be learned, and it's the lesson of come. Did you guys catch that one word there? Come. In the feeding of the 5,000, we learn that he was a provider. Now, how he will show himself as a protector if they didn't need protection. Okay, how would you teach him that? They needed to go through this to learn this. Now, verse 29, have faith on his word. Do you believe his word, guys? I do. That's one thing I can promise you here at Freedom Fellowship. We believe the word of God. We believe it's all literal. We can take him at his word. We don't have to guess. We don't have to spiritualize. We're just going to believe what he says. That's enough. So, what happens when we're trying to love somebody and they don't love us back? Now, the wave here feels bigger than the world. It also happens when God tells us to forgive, but we don't feel like forgiving, okay? Unforgiveness is rising up and splashing against our boat. Well, God wants you to know, will you keep coming? Will you keep your eyes focused on something that you can't see? Will you walk toward his word? Or will you get wiped out by the wave? Sometimes one wave can mess up our whole day, can it, guys? Just one, just one negative comment on our Facebook. My whole day is ruined because that turkey said something. That's all we are. We're a bunch of turkeys. Who cares what we think? What does God say, right? So Peter, verse 29, not walking on water, but a word. And that one word is just come. That's all Jesus said. Come. And he obeyed. And he got to do something really cool. So he doesn't say, Lord, if it's you, stop the storm. Change the circumstances because I'm not liking it. I think we're going to die. He doesn't say that. Peter just asked for a command from the Lord. Come. One word, come. And the way to find out is to step out. Do you think God's speaking something to you, asking you to do something? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that would work. I don't know if that can happen. You're not going to know unless you step out. You're not going to know unless... I wasn't going to share this story, but I'm going to share it with you. I've shared it with you guys before. I tried to walk on water. You guys remember telling you that? A few of you guys? Yeah. I was on fire for the Lord. I was nine, just turned 19. Uh, There's a song by Audio Adrenaline. Uh, if I keep my eyes on Jesus, I can walk on water. I was on the end of a dock early morning before anybody else was awake. I was talking with Jesus, intimate time. Really believed I had enough faith to walk on water. 
stepped off the dock believing I was going to walk on water. Guess what happened, guys? <laughs> and after I sunk, <laughs> the Lord told me, I didn't tell you to do that. <laughs> but it's one of those things, guys. If the Lord's asking you to do it, he's going to make whatever provisions necessary for it to happen. You guys understand that? Now, something God may be calling me to do is not what he's calling you to do, and vice versa. We just need to be obedient to what he's asking us to do. Well, I don't know. He doesn't talk to me. Read your Bible. If you need a command, there's thousands of them. So many people, I don't know what the will of God is. Read the Bible. Somebody, you know, we, we think we're so special. We have to have this special individual calling from God. No, we're all really the same, Okay. They're just the basics of the Christian faith. They're just basic things that God's asked us to do as his creation. You know, I don't know what to do. We'll study the scriptures. It's pretty clear what he wants us to do. But when those commands come, he's looking for obedience. So maybe you and I are in storms, um, and our storms can start asking, you know, a command from God instead of a guarantee. God, you know, I need a guarantee here, Okay. I really need you to see me through and do this or that. Maybe instead of looking for the good that might come of it, maybe in the midst of it, just be open. God, what do you want right now? What do you, oh, you want me to trust. You want me to believe. You want me to rejoice even though this is painful. You want me to trust even though it's not making any sense. Okay. Ask for a command. And then learn to walk on a word. Let's take a look together at verse 30. And we'll hang here for a minute. It says, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Do you guys have this verse highlighted? Here's a but that almost buried Peter. Okay? He saw the wind about him, and his heart failed in him, then his foot failed under him. And he began to sink. Why does it say that? What was the cause of him beginning to sink? Well, the cause here, he took his eyes off who? Jesus, the Savior. I'm drowning here. I'm in a, in a storm. Circumstances are bad. They're not looking good. I'm, I'm sinking. I'm going to drown. Where, where do we need to be looking, guys? To our Savior. Who's going to save us? It's Jesus. He took his eyes off the Savior and placed them on his circumstances. And then he cries out, and I love, I think this is the greatest prayer in all of the Bible. Lord, save me. Aren't these the greatest words ever? Pretty simple, right? The unbeliever can cry them, right? Lord, you are God, right? Save, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved from my sins. Me, me personally, okay? Can an unbeliever pray that? Absolutely. That's about as, that's about as easy as it gets, okay? God wants to save everybody, but we have to be in that place of acknowledging our need of a Savior, we actually have to receive him as Lord and Savior. And if you're willing just to simply say, Lord, <laughs> I'm acknowledging you. You are God. You are Lord. You are Savior. <laughs> I need saving because I've sinned. Please save me. Right? 
Jesus hasn't universally saved everybody. That's really bad theology. Just because Jesus died upon a cross, he's not going to force you to be a part of his family and spend eternity with him. That would be rape. That's not God. He is a gentleman. But he is a God of love. And he's made provision. He's made a way for you and I, all of us, to be saved, guys. So, the believer also can pray this, right? Can't we, as believers? Absolutely. A believer can cry them, Lord, save me from my enemy, from my flesh, my greed, my lust, my circumstances, my covetousness, my pride, my ego, my corrupted heart, my immoral thoughts. Lord, save me. I love this prayer. I hope you put little hearts next to it in your Bible. Yes, men can do that too. Look at verse uh, 31 with me. And then it goes on to tell us, and immediately, right? He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, aren't you guys glad that's right there? How quick can God save somebody? Right? The second you turn to him, you repent, you cry out <laughs> for him to save you. You're born again that quick. It's not like you earn salvation over time or you have to learn a whole bunch over time and then maybe you'll finally come to the secret knowledge and know-how of being good enough to be saved. That's not how it works. None of us are good enough. What we need to do is put our faith in Him. And the second we do that, you're saved. And immediately Jesus stretched out His hand and caught Him and said to Him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? This response immediately first caught Him and then He taught Him. Okay? So many people were just like, man, if they get it, if I just teach them enough about the Bible, about Jesus, then maybe they'll get saved, you know? Well, for me, and I think for a lot of people, you can't understand what the Bible's saying until you are saved. You've got to get caught first. You guys, how many can testify to that? When you got born again, whoop, the Scriptures are now alive. <laughs> it now makes sense. <laughs> Why didn't I get this before? It's because you're now saved. You're now born again in the Spirit of God. You have spiritual eyes to see, spiritual ears to hear. Had a conversation. A brother called me this week. I forget which night it was, but we were having that conversation. He's been working with somebody. You know who I'm talking about. He's been working with somebody, and they're having conversations, debating about stuff. But the one thing is we are having a conversation. Just come, he kept saying, he's, you know, he needs to be born again. Like He's not going to get it until he believes. He needs to believe. And that is so true. You can't see until you believe. It's that believing, guys. It's when we believe we're able to see. It's when we believe we're able to walk on water. Whatever the circumstances are. You guys understand that? We keep our eyes on Jesus. So Peter thought, or, or Peter, though he's wet here to the skin, right? <laughs> Was a wiser man because of the, <laughs> the adventure. So, wetter is wiser. You write that in your Bibles if you want. Wetters, sometimes it's okay when we fail. Do you guys know that? It's okay to fall because we'll come out the other end wiser, better for it. Did you guys catch this little phrase here? Oh, you of little faith. How do you guys picture Jesus saying that? Do you think he was coming down on them or if he was just stating a fact? I don't think it's a rebuke. Some of you guys might think it's a rebuke. I don't know for sure. I don't think so. Because the little faith in Scripture is considered good if you read the whole of the Bible. Am I right? 
right? So I don't know. I don't think it's a rebuke. I don't think it was the quality of the faith, nor the quantity. Look at all this faith I have. I'm Peter the Rock. You know, no, it's not it. Not that, but the duration of the faith. I think that's so key to this passage and so key to our life. Are we going to keep the faith till the end? Are we going to finish well? Are we going to be able to hear our Savior say, "Well done, good and faithful servant." Are we going to be faithful to the end? There's one thing that God looks for in a steward, and that is that they would be faithful. That's what he wants, guys. It doesn't matter how much we know. Are we going to believe? Are we going to have faith? Are we going to obey what he's asking? He's looking for that, guys. I know I would rather be obedient than know it all. Because when we're obedient, that's where God works, guys. That's where we see God. And we might not have it all together. We might be a lot like Peter. We mess up quite a bit. But hey, I'm going to continue to believe. I'm going to continue to trust. Oh, ye of little faith. So it just stopped. Like each of our t- ours at time, our faith can just stop at times. But the thing is, are we going to go back? Are we going to trust? Are we going to keep looking to Jesus? Are you trying to live a life free of mistakes? I feel, I feel for people that do that. Honestly, guys, I love pastoring. I love being a part of this church. I even wore, I love my church t-shirt today. Okay? I love my church family. I love pastoring. I love being able to shepherd and pray and be there for you guys. I really do. One thing I don't like about pastoring is people want to exalt or, hey, you're a pastor. You're never going to sin. You're never going to fail. You're always going to be there to help me. You're going to be able to do this. God hears you. We're human beings. Every single one of us are exactly the same, guys. And sometimes, you know, we feel that we can't mess up. If we fail, we've blown it. It's all over. It's all done. And to live a mistake-free life, there's a burden when we try to do that and put that upon ourselves. Guys, failure is not an option. It is a necessity. It has to happen in our lives. Because it is the point in this passage, okay, that he had failed to learn that God was protector. He learned that God was able to deliver, that he was Savior. It was in his failing that God was exalted. So Peter knew when to cry out. He didn't wait till he was drowning, <laughs> but when he began to sink. Did you guys see that there? A lot of people wait till it's too long. I'm just going to keep going and doing it. I'm going to muster up the strength. I'll get through it. And they get to a point where they're drowning. It's over. It's done. I'm sinking. There's no hope. They waited too long. Be like Peter when he began to sink. So the second we begin to fall, we begin to fail, that's when we cry out to the Lord. So this was a difficult situation for Peter, but he grew in the knowledge, really, of himself and of the Lord. Okay, Doesn't the Bible tell us to take heed to ourselves, to think rightly about ourselves? We need to examine ourselves. 
We also need to have a good perspective of who God is. And that's what this allowed to take place. So is this a story of Peter walking on water and then failing? Okay? If we look at it this way, you know, we can look back, okay? We can relate to Peter in a lot of ways. Um, we did some pretty dumb stuff. Would you guys agree? I know you guys all have it together now. But let me tell you what. You guys hung out with Landon in the 80s or 90s? You'd, yeah, we all do dumb stuff. <laughs> um, how about the story of the 11 that never got out of the boat? Let's talk about them for a moment. Uh, this is maybe a, a conspiracy theory, but when Jesus, or when John, okay, tells the story in his gospel, don't you guys ever love checking out how the gospels are harmonious, how they fit and work together? But when John tells the story of this account in his gospel, he didn't even put the part in about Peter <laughs> in there. So never worry about anyone in the boat that is criticizing you. So keep walking. Okay, um, no story is all about, or this, this story really is about God's grace here, about Jesus reaching down, Jesus walking to Peter, walking him back to the boat. So Jesus loves you, and when you walk on water with him, and he loves you when you're sinking. Jesus just loves you. Maybe it's not even in this, you know, a story about great faith. Maybe this is a story about greater grace. You thought about it that way. This is a cool picture of your grace, God. A grace greater than failure. A grace that's greater than your divorce. Greater than bankruptcy. Greater than a layoff. Greater than an addiction. Greater than a slip-up or a screw-up. Maybe it's all about his grace. Peter failed at what he set out to do, but Jesus succeeded in exactly what he set out to do. So why does Jesus command Peter to do something that he would know that he would end up failing in? Have you guys asked that question when you read this account? Why would Jesus ask him to do that if he knew he was going to do that? What does Jesus have you to start off? Okay, Maybe a, you know, a relationship that he knows will end in a failure. Why does Jesus have you achieve something that he knows is going to be taken away? Now, there's a storm partner. Oh, did I f accidentally did that? That's not for yet. <laughs> Let's look at the storm partner in verse 32 and 33. Why didn't the wind cease until they were both back in the boat? You guys ever think of that? I think Jesus was giving Peter another chance to try that walking on water thing. Why doesn't it end? Why does it just keep getting worse? Why is it taking so long? Why is this depression thing going on five years when I've counseled people and they can get out of it in five weeks? Why does he give us other chances, guys? You see, his story was not going to end at him getting from, or getting cut from the walking on water team, let's call it, because Jesus is not about shaming or embarrassing us. That's not our God, guys. 
You see, Peter's story would not end until he had walked on water with Jesus back to the boat. So, how did Jesus then walk on water? I have a conspiracy theory. I think he had the first pair of Nike Airs. I love this passage. Please jot down Isaiah chapter 43, verses 2 and 3. Isaiah here reminds you and I, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. This is God speaking. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Is that not a cool promise? I love it. So he may not come when you think he should. God, I've been praying for 30 minutes. (laughs) Why haven't you answered yet? Where are you? He may wait until the boat's as far from land as possible so that all human hope is gone. You see, every element where we dread, his foot doth simply tread. The first time Jesus calmed the water, the reaction was, what manner of man is this, right? Matthew chapter 8. Now, their clear testimony is, truly you are the Son of God. I do believe greater the storm, the severity of the circumstance, In those things, if we look and fix our eyes upon him, we're going to see him greater and greater. Now, there's a clear testimony given there. And then verse 33, what did they do? Truly, you're the Son of God. So what did they do immediately? Well, they enjoyed God and they worshipped him. Isn't that cool? That's what we've been created to do, guys. Now, in your handouts... I have an acronym. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the Navy SEALs, okay, they're trained to operate in all environments, sea, air, land. SEAL. Okay, that's where they get the name from. For which they're named in Jesus here. Okay, we watch Jesus operate in the sea and in the air, walking on the water, and now on land, right? Our king is the master both of water and land. Look at verse 34 with me, guys. And when they crossed over, they came to the land of the Genesaret. And when the men in that place recognized him, they sent out into all the surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it, they were made perfectly well. Wow. So if a hem of his garment is so rich with blessing... How rich must his hand in his heart. You see, they came to Jesus for physical healing, but what about the spiritual healing? Isn't that the most important thing? Right? Many want a prolonged life on earth, and that's great. Sonny was reading an article to me earlier this week. There's some stuff out there that they're putting into people now, testing to prolong life. Who knows if it'll work or not. All I said is, hey, that's cool if it's going to help people, heal people. Great. I want to die and go home. (laughs) You know? (laughs) 
<laughs> How much longer do we want to live here? You know? I mean, there are blessings. Life is good, but life is hard. It's not always smooth sailing. I can't wait to get home. I can't wait to see Jesus face to face. So, many want to prolong their life, but do they come to secure eternal life? Do you know that you're saved? If you believe, you'll have eternal life. Isn't that the promise? God so loved the world, and whoever believes in him will have eternal life. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. I hope you know that you know. I'm not going to say who the pastor is, because if I did, you all be like, <gasps> but just a couple weeks ago, he got up in the pulpit, and he, does, he, he said, I don't know if I'm really saved. This is a man who's written dozens and dozens of books, puts on a ton of conferences. Reform background, which in that you have a belief of you're chosen or you're not. Salvation isn't really on you. You can't really believe anyways. And if you think you're saved, you're going to have a lot of fruit and you're just going to do all these things. It's very easy to get back into that legalistic camp real quick. And he's one of these teachers. And to hear him say that, I'm just like, what? Years of ministering the word of God and you're still not secure in your salvation. You don't really know that you know. Guys, I hope you know that you know. I know I'm God's kid. I know I'm born again. I just know it. <laughs> Even if I screw up, I know I'm still his. You know, there's nothing that's, yeah. Even if I chose to walk away because I want to be sinful, you know, I, w I can't ever say that Jesus really isn't God you know, that I don't know. You guys, does that make sense to you? You need to know that you know him. That's the only thing that matters. It's not knowing about the Bible or going to church. It's about knowing Jesus. Pastor, why do you always bring that up? Because it's the only thing that matters, guys. Let's get back to this. And I want you guys to note this. <clears throat> Peter's still wet at this point, okay? <laughs> um, John chapter 6, verse 21 and immediately the boat was on land where they were going, so they were immediately there. And this is great to know that you can worship wet. <laughs> For some reason, this is the thing that stuck out to me in preparation this week. You can still worship when you're wet, okay? I hope that hits you, because it hit me. We immediately want to get a towel, right? <laughs> get him a towel, get him a fresh change of clothes, at least cover up, you know? Let's get them dry and cleaned up. At churches, sometimes we don't want to be people, uh, people to think that we sink around here. You know, I never fail. It's all good. But we do, right? We just don't want to show it. Instead, we want to compare with each other, right? Well, <clears throat> I did sink, but it was only down to my ankles. Oh, really? Don't tell anyone else. I sunk down to my knees. We don't want people to know, right? Oh, I went down to my waist. I can't tell anybody. Guys, I think at Freedom Fellowship here, we need to continue over and over to promote that we have a wet section. Okay? That's a good thing. Well, we make them sit in the back half of the church, though. <laughs> No, we have wet people, soaked people, saturated, soggy saints. That's the reality. That's what I love about my church family. We're just normal people. 
We fail. We're not perfect. We don't have it all together. But we know whom does, and we're going to keep looking to him. We're going to keep encouraging one another to look to him. And we need to learn to be able to say, I know you're soggy, but come on. There's work to be done for the kingdom. You coming? A lot of people think that they need to be sanctified before they can serve the Lord. No, you need to be saved to serve the Lord. That's it. He keeps sanctifying us till the day we die. If we're going to wait to arrive to be good enough to actually go serve, be about kingdom business, preach the gospel, no one's ever going to hear, guys. No one's, yeah, I encourage you. If you just got saved, start sharing with people. Don't wait to get your life all together, okay? Because it's not about you. It's about Jesus. <laughs> so, Jesus must have said, come on, Peter, I need you wet. <laughs> come help me here. Sometimes we have to worship wet, lead wet, preach wet, lead our families wet. But where should our focus be? Peter, all wet, otherwise known, we'll start calling soaked Simon around here. How about that? Soaked Simon. Or on Jesus' hand, okay? In other words, Jesus is in control. I love that. Jesus grabbed him. You're wet. That's all right. Let's keep going. We got stuff to do. So focus on Jesus' hand. For the righteous man may fall, sink seven times. But what does he do, guys? He gets back up. Proverbs 24, 16. Now, the last point that I want to make this morning, I'd like you to flip in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6, and we'll wrap up here. Last point. 30 years later from this story, okay? 30 years later from when Jesus walked on the water and commanded Peter to do the same. Come. And he did, and he sank. And he picked him up and brought him back to the boat. 30 years later from this account, many Bible scholars believe that Mark's gospel is actually a record of Peter's reports, or reports of the ministry that Jesus had, all the things he did. Justin Martyr referred to Mark as the memoirs of Peter. So I want you guys to have that in mind as we read this in Mark chapter 6. We'll do it quickly, starting in verse 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw the straining in the rowing, and the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and he would have passed by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and they cried out. For they all saw him, and they were troubled. But immediately he walked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer. It is I, don't be afraid. And when he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure, and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. Guys, what's missing in this account? Peter. The point was never about Peter walking on water. 
The point was, we were in trouble, in a terrible storm, and Jesus made it stop. And when he did, we knew that he was the Son of God. Now write that down, Mark. Tell everybody, Mark. And I think that's what Jesus is saying to us today here at Freedom. Tell everybody else. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. And he so loves the world, guys. We need to tell the world. Amen? Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me? We'll close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We're thankful for this time that you've given us just to be still, to know that you are God, to receive your word by faith. It's been a good word this morning. We thank you for your heart. We thank you that you're a good father who's willing to discipline us. Father, how you teach us. And you do it in such a gentle way, God. There does seem to be so many different things that we face and go through in this life, and yet you're patient in those things. You're teaching us. You're revealing more of yourself, and we're thankful for that. And I pray for myself and my brothers and sisters this morning that you'd help us to see you in whatever trial we're going through or ever one that might be around the corner. God, we know that in this life we're going to go through things. And in it, Father, we want to be open to what you're teaching us and asking of us. So help us to be aware. Help us to keep our eyes upon you, Father. And help us to go tell this world about you. People need a Savior. They need you, Jesus. So give us those opportunities. And we do pray for the opportunities in the next couple weeks. Right across the street at the middle school here and the high school down the road. So many young people that are making so many decisions right now that will impact the rest of their lives. And the most important one, most of these kids have never even heard about you. They don't even know what the gospel's about. Lord, may we have place and opportunity to uh, boldly share the truth of who you are to preach the cross and you crucified. Thank you so much, God, for all that you do. I do pray, Father, for those that are just in a place that are just overwhelmed. <laughs> their eyes are on the circumstance. They can't even see you. Father, would you lift their eyes today? They may be able to fix their eyes upon you. Asking your name. Amen? Amen. Amen.